Chapter 9, Preparing a Speech Ancient Greek educators and philosophers wrote the first public speaking texts about 2,400 years ago. Aristotle's On Rhetoric covers many of the same topics addressed in the unit of this book, including speech organization, audience analysis, and persuasive appeals. Even though these principles have been around for thousands of years and have taught to millions of students, it's still a challenge to get students to see the value of public speaking. Some students think they already know everything they need to know about speaking in public. In response, I remind them that even the best public speakers still don't know everything there is to know about public speaking. Other students don't think they'll engage in public speaking very often, if at all. To them, I mention that oral communication and presentation skills are integral to professional and personal success. Last, some students are anxious or even scared by the thought of speaking in front of an audience. To them, I explain that speaking anxiety is common and can be addressed. Learning about and practicing public speaking fosters transferable skills that will help you organize your thoughts, outline information, do research, adapt to various audiences, and utilize and understand persuasive techniques. These skills will be used in other college classes, your career, your personal relationships, and your civic life. Learning objectives. Employ audience analysis. Determine the general purpose of a speech. List strategies for narrowing a speech. Compose an audience-centered, specific purpose statement for a speech. Compose a thesis statement that summarizes the central idea of a speech. There are many steps that go into the speech-making process. Many people do not approach speech preparation in an informed and systematic way, which results in many poorly planned or executed speeches that are not pleasant to sit through as an audience member and don't reflect well on the speaker. Good speaking skills can help you stand out from the crowd in increasingly competitive environments. While a polished delivery is important and will be discussed more in Chapter 10, Delivering a Speech, Good speaking skills must be practiced much earlier in the speech-making process. Analyze your audience. Audience analysis is key for a speaker to achieve his or her speech goal. One of the first questions you should ask yourself is, who is my audience? While there are some generalizations you can make about an audience, a competent speaker always assumes there's a diversity of opinion and background among his or her listeners. You can't assume from looking that everyone in your audience is the same age, race, sexual orientation, religion, or many other factors. Even if you did have a fairly homogeneous audience with only one or two people who don't match up, you should still consider those one or two people. When I have a class with one or two older students, I still consider the different age demographics, even though 20 other students are 18 to 22 years old. 
In short, a good speaker shouldn't intentionally alienate even one audience member. Of course, a speaker could still unintentionally alienate certain audience members, especially in persuasive speaking situations. While this may be unavoidable, speakers can still think critically about what content they include in the speech and the effects it may have. Even though you should remain conscious of the differences among audience members, you can still focus on commonalities. When delivering a speech in a college classroom, you can rightfully assume that everyone in your audience is currently living in the general area of the school, is enrolled at the school, and is currently taking the same speech class. In professional speeches, you can often assume that everyone is part of the same professional organizations if you present at a conference employed at the same place or in the same field, if you are giving a sales presentation or experiencing the nervousness of starting a new job, if you are leading an orientation or training. You may not be able to assume much more, but that's enough to allow some tailored points in your speech that will make the content more relevant. Demographic audience analysis. Demographics are broad sociocultural categories, such as age, gender, race, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, education level, religion, ethnicity, and nationality that are used to segment a larger population. Since you're always gonna have a diverse demographics among your audience members, it would be unwise to focus solely on one group over another. As a speaker, being aware of diverse demographics is useful in that you can tailor and vary examples to appeal to different groups of people. As you read in the Getting Real feature in this chapter, engaging in audience segmentation based on demographics is much more targeted in some careers. Psychological audience analysis. Psychological audience analysis considers how your audience's psychological dispositions toward the topic, speaker, and occasion, and how their attitudes, beliefs, and values inform those dispositions. When considering your audience's disposition toward your topic, this is knowledge of the subject. You wouldn't include a lesson on calculus in an introductory math course. You also wouldn't go into the intricacies of a heart transplant to an audience with no medical training. A speech on how to give a speech would be redundant in a public speaking class, but it could be useful for high school students or older adults who are going through a career transition. Students in my class recently had to theme their informative speeches around the topic of renewable energy. They were able to tie their various topics to, new, to a new renewable energy production plant that opened that semester on our campus. They had to be careful not to overrun their speech with scientific jargon. One student compared the concept of biogasification to the natural gas production that comes from many living creatures like humans and cows. 
This comparison got a laugh from the audience, and it also made the seemingly complex concept more understandable. The audience may or may not have preconceptions about you as a speaker. One way to positively engage your audience is to make sure you establish your credibility. In terms of credibility, you want the audience to see you as competent, trustworthy, and engaging. If the audience is already familiar with you, they may already see you as a credible speaker because they've seen you before, have heard other people evaluate you positively, or know that you have credentials and or experience that make you competent. If you know you have a reputation that isn't as positive, you will want to work hard to overcome those perceptions. To establish trustworthiness, you want to incorporate good supporting material into your speech, verbally cite sources, and present information and arguments in a balanced, non-coercive, and non-manipulative way. To establish yourself as engaging, you want to have a well-delivered speech, which requires you to practice, get feedback, and practice some more. Your verbal and nonverbal delivery should be fluent and appropriate to the audience and occasion. We will discuss speech delivery more in Chapter 10, Delivering a Speech. The circumstances that led your audience to attend your speech will affect their view of the occasion. A captive audience includes people who are required to attend your presentation. Mandatory meetings are common in workplace settings. Whether you are presenting for a group of your employees, coworkers, classmates, or even residents in your dorm, if you are a resident advisor, you shouldn't let the fact that the meeting is required to give you license to give a half-hearted speech. In fact, you may want to build common ground with your audience to overcome any potential resentment for the, ga for the required gathering. In your speech class, your classmates are captive audience members. View having a captive classroom audience as a challenge and use this space as a public speaking testing laboratory. You can try new things. You can push your boundaries more because this audience is very forgiving and understanding since they have to go through the same things you do. In general, you may have to work harder to maintain the attention of a captive audience. Since coworkers may expect to hear the same content they hear every time this particular meeting comes around, and classrooms have to sit through dozens and dozens of speeches, use your speech as an opportunity to stand out from the crowd or from what's been done before. A voluntary audience includes people who have decided to come hear your speech. This is perhaps one of the best compliments a speaker can receive even before they've delivered the speech. Speaking for a voluntary audience often makes me, having, makes me have more speaking anxiety than I do when I speak in front of my class or my colleagues because I know the audience may have preconceived notions or expectations that I must live up to. This is something to be aware of if you're used to speaking in front of captive audiences. 
To help adapt to a voluntary audience, ask yourself what the audience members expect. Why are they here? If they've decided to come to and see you, they must be interested in your topic or you as a speaker. Perhaps you have a reputation for being humorous, being able to translate complicated information into more digestible parts, or being interactive with the audience and responding to questions. Whatever the reason or reasons, it's important to make sure you deliver on those aspects. If people are voluntarily giving up their time to hear you, you want to make sure they get what they expect. A final aspect of psychological audience analysis involves considering the audience's attitudes, beliefs, and values as they will influence all the perceptions mentioned previously. As you can see in figure 9.1, psychological analysis, attitudes, beliefs, and values. We can think of our attitudes, beliefs, and values as layers that make up our perception and knowledge. At the outermost level, attitudes are our likes and dislikes, and they're easier to influence than beliefs or values because they are often reactionary. If you've ever followed the approval rating of a politician, you know that people's likes and dislikes change frequently and can change dramatically based on recent developments. This is also true interpersonally. For those of you who have siblings, think about how you can go from liking your sisters or brothers, maybe because they did something nice for you, to disliking them because they upset you. This seesaw of attitudes can go up and down over the course of a day or even a few minutes, but it can still be useful for a speaker to consider. If there is something going on in popular culture or current events that has captured people's attention and favor or disfavor, then you can tap into that as a speaker to better relate to your audience. When considering beliefs, we are dealing with what we believe is or isn't true or false. We come to hold our beliefs based on what we are taught, experience for ourselves, or have faith in. Our beliefs change if we encounter new information or experiences that counter previous ones. As people age and experience more, their beliefs are likely to change, which is natural. Our values deal with what we view as right or wrong, good or bad. Our values do change over time, but usually as a result of a life transition or life-changing events such as birth, death, or trauma. For example, when me many people leave their parents' control for the first time and move away from home, they have a shift in values that occurs as they make this important and cha challenging life transition. In summary, audiences enter a speaking situation with various psychological dispositions. And considering what those may be can help speakers adapt their messages and better meet their speech goals. Situational audience analysis. Situational audience analysis considers the physical surroundings and setting of a speech. It's always a good idea to visit the place you will be speaking ahead of time so you know what to expect. If you expect to have a lectern and arrive only to find a table at the front of the room, that little difference could end up increasing your anxiety and diminishing your speaking effectiveness. 
I have traveled to many different universities, conference facilities, and organizations to speak, and I always ask my host to show me the room I will be speaking in. I take a note of the seating arrangement, the presence of technology, and its compatibility with what I plan on using. The layout of the room, including the windows and doors, and anything else that's relevant to my speech. Knowing your physical setting ahead of time allows you to alter the physical setting when possible or alter your message or speaking strategies if needed. Sometimes I open or close the blinds, move seats around, plug my computer in to make sure it works, or even practice some or all of my presentation. I have also revised a speech to be more interactive and informal when I realize I would be in a lounge rather than a classroom or lecture hall.